Welcome to Catholic Views. I'm your host, Renee Kranz. On today's show, we will have Michael Pauly, who is the Executive Director of the South Dakota Catholic Conference. He's going to be on the show to talk about, uh, we have an election coming up uh, in no- early November, of course, on my birthday this year, November 8th. <laughs> and uh, so he's going to talk about- It's a big birthday, too. It is a big birthday. Um as a particular initiated measure 27, which is uh, around marijuana. So we're going to talk about that. We are also going to talk about Respect Life Month and how to approach that with the uh, Dobbs decision behind us now. Um, first, we're going to talk to you, Dr. Chris Bergwald, for some biblical bites with Dr. B. But hello, Dr. B. Well, hello, Renee. <laughs> how are you? I, I'm great. I'm great. I, you- um, I do. I, I've. I want to let people know about a um, something that you're going to see in your October Bishop's Bulletin. Uh, so as everybody knows, prices are going up for everything. Oh, yes. And um, we have experienced some major increases in the price of paper mm-hmm. and printing for the Bishop's Bulletin. And of course, everyone who is a registered Catholic in our diocese gets the Bishop's Bulletin for free. And that is not going to change. Um but we really could use some extra funds to start covering some of the shortfall that we're finding um, in our in, in the increased expenses. So in, in the October Bishop's Bulletin, we are going to have what's called a volunteer subscription drive. So all of the people who dearly love the Bishop's Bulletin, I know they're out there somewhere. I hope there's lots of you. <laughs> there are many of them, Renee. Come on. Um, if you love it, uh, there will be an envelope in the issue. There will also be a QR code. So you can either send in a donation, you can scan the QR code, or if you want to donate now or sometime outside of October or whenever, you can go to the diocesan website, which is sfcatholic.org slash online dash donations. Click on Bishop's Bulletin and donate there. We appreciate all any support you are willing to give. Just It helps us to be able to give you more. Um, to give you more stories, better stories. Um, we'd love to expand the the Bishop Bulletin and even maybe add pages, but we definitely can't do that with the prices going mm-hmm. where they are now. Mm-hmm. So um, we're just hoping to be able to get a little more support there from the people who love the magazine. And no amount is too small. No amount is too small. Yeah. If you got a dollar and you want us to have it, we would happily That'd take it. <laughs> so anyway, thanks for letting me do that uh, on your time. Dr. Right, Google. my... my. <laughs> Precious, precious time. I, All right. So what do you have for us? So oh. our starting question, Renee. Oh, 27th Sunday. You are nailing it. I lately. remember. I think my memory is getting better. Like, I think the the reason for the memory is, is seems to be subsiding. Okay. <laughs> it has to do with that birthday that's coming up. <laughs> you can just take that however you want, people. <laughs> mm, uh, Jimmy Aiken has what um, the mysterious world. Yes. Jimmy Aiken's mysterious world. Uh-huh. We, you should set a new podcast. Uh, Renee <laughs> Kranz's mysterious oh, world. Geez. Like what is going on? You'll you want to understand a thing that's going on? Yeah, all the mysteries <laughs> that are Renee Kranz. Uh, so yeah, twenty seventh Sunday in ordinary time coming down there. Only yeah. I mean, there's like 32 or 33 weeks. 30, the, 30, the, the final Sunday is the 34th, 34th week, which it's the solemnity of our Lord Jesus Christ, right. King of the Universe. Coming up here just a couple months, less than two months now. Yikes. Um, we are, though, what I want, want to talk about today is the first reading at Mass um, from the book of the prophet Habakkuk. 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 
Why do I? I don't know. We're just going to say his name for the rest of Habakkuk. <laughs> Habakkuk. Uh, Habakkuk is one of the 12 minor prophets. So the Old Testament, you had the, the, the writings of Moses and the wisdom literature, Psalms, Proverbs, and so on. And so Moses and the historical books, the wisdom books, and the books of the prophets. And there's okay. the, the, the big prophets, um, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Daniel, Ezekiel, and so on. But then there's what is oftentimes called the, the, the quote unquote book. It's not one book, but the collection of the 12 minor prophets. And that's like Amos and um, Zephaniah, Ze- yeah. Zechariah. Yeah. The, the letter the and, and Habakkuk. Habakkuk. And mm-hmm. among, so Jonah is one of the other uh, oh, yeah. book, 12 minor prophets. So among the 12 minor prophets, uh, Jonah and Habakkuk are, <laughs> are unique in that. And, and we know this, we, we know, especially well with, we know the story of Jonah. Um, Habakkuk isn't as well known, um, but both of them, the, the, these are books, uh, the 12 minor prophets. Uh, the other 10 are all relaying messages from God to his people. Okay. Jonah the message he relay has to relay, yes, kind of to the people of Nineveh, but most of Jonah is about uh, Jonah's issues with God. Right. And Habakkuk is all about Habakkuk's issues with God. <laughs> so like Jonah, Habakkuk, if you read the whole narrative, it's about like, Lord, what the heck are you doing or aren't you doing? So this is what we'll hear at mass, or maybe you already heard it. This is how the reading starts. How long, O Lord, I cry for help, but you do not listen. I cry out to you, violence, but you do not intervene. Why do you let me see ruin? Why must I look at misery? Destruction and violence are before me. There's strife and clamorous, clamorous discord. Then the Lord answered me and said, write down the vision clearly upon the tablet so that one can read it, read it readily. For the vision still has its time, pressing on for food. Okay, it goes on. I don't want to take a lot more time. The point is we see in Habakkuk. So read not just the reading, but read the, it's a short book. It's mm-hmm. three chapters, I think. Um, read it and, and you see the prophet having it out with the Lord. And I think there's, there's, there's a lesson in there for you and I. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever's going on, if, if there's something not going, if there's something bad going on in your life now, well, if there's not something bad going on in your life now, there will be one at some point, right? Yes, right? of course. Look, look to the the example of Habakkuk and Jonah and others, and just be honest with the mm-hmm. Lord. I mean, that, that's for me. Habakkuk is writing at a time when the the wicked the wicked seem to be having their way. Ah, uh, sure. And what the Lord is going to say is, "Don't worry, they're going to get theirs," but. The example of Habakkuk crying out, being honest with God about what's going on. I think that's a great lesson for us at those times when we experience hardship in our lives as well. Yeah, God already knows it anyway. So exactly. you might as well. All right. Thanks, Dr. B. You bet. Uh, with me today is Michael Pauley. He is the new executive director for the South Dakota Catholic Conference. Maybe not as new to some people, but new to my listeners because I haven't, Michael, I haven't had you on yet to introduce you. So thank well, you. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. Thanks for being here. Um, I thought it's, this is a good time because we have an election coming up uh, on November 8th, which is my birthday, by the way. Oh my goodness. <laughs> In case anybody wants to know. <laughs> I'm going to, amidst all the busyness, I'm going to try to remember to send you a card. Then. Don't worry about it at all. <laughs> Um, it, every once in a while, uh, election day lands on my birthday, but it is not very often because that's a very late election day. Yes. Uh, so it doesn't happen very often, but, um, every, it helps me remember. 
<laughs> but we are going to talk about um, at least one measure. I know, initiated measure 27. And then I think there's another, there's a um, Titian going around that's being signed that is going to be coming around that would probably need to talk about too. We'll talk about Respect Life Month a little bit and just get to know Michael a little bit. So if you don't mind, let's start with getting to know you and who are you and how did you come to be the executive director for the Catholic Conference? Well, sure. Well, I I guess the most important thing uh, about me is that I'm a Catholic, uh, a husband and a father. Uh, Those those are the, the three things that are most important. Uh, my wife and I live in the Rapid City area, mm-hmm. and we have uh, two daughters, uh, ages 9 and 12. Uh, my oldest one is going to become a teenager next January. Oh, man. So for us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And uh, in terms of how I came to be in my current position, I, I'll, I'll try to give the condensed version. Um, I went to a talk uh, about a year ago, I think it was, uh, out in Rapid City uh, by my predecessor, Chris Motes. Uh, he was speaking at a local church on some uh, issues related to religious liberty. And I went up afterwards, introduced myself, and we just had a real delightful conversation. And then uh, just, you know, next thing I know, he's inviting me to join his online book discussion club. And we just <laughs> developed sort of a friendship over the years. And then I, I uh, obviously followed the work of the State Catholic Conference and was very aware that the Catholic Conference is making a positive difference in our state. So uh, at the end of this year's legislative session, um, Chris announced his that he was stepping down, and uh, I, I guess I found out about that uh, with an email that I received. And then I I called him that day, and he you know, he said, "How are you doing?" And I said, "Well, I'm I'm thoroughly depressed that you're stepping down <laughs> from this job." I was like, "You can't do that, right? <laughs> you're you're too good at this work." And uh, and he just said, "Well, you know, you know, maybe you should apply for the job." And I uh, and I I was initially not. Um, interested in that. I, I was working previously as a consultant, doing a little mix of public relations and government relations work. Had some really great clients. You know, the I liked the clients. The clients liked me. Mm-hmm. I, I was just pretty much a happy camper. But it was a weird thing where, you know, the more I just, it, it was just always there in the back of my mind. Like, this, this is a really important entity, uh, a really important role of service in the church. And I just kept on feeling this nagging sense that I should put in for this job. And so eventually I just decided, well, I'm just going to put in an application and then pray really hard that the job goes <laughs> to someone else if it's not God's will uh, for me to be doing this work. And and, and that's what I did. But um, so that that's how I came to be where I am. God had a different thought in mind, didn't he? He was tapping you yeah. on the shoulder and saying, Michael, I want you to yeah. apply for this. And guess what? Yeah. You're going to be it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I've been on the job now for four months, and yeah. uh, it's interesting. There's, um, you, you know, as I was uh, saying to you in an earlier conversation, it's a target-rich environment mm-hmm. out there when it comes to both threats and opportunities right. in the public policy realm. So. Right. Can you tell us a little bit about what the Catholic Conference does exactly for those who aren't familiar with it? Sure. Well, yeah, the easiest way to describe it is that the South Dakota Catholic Conference is the ambassador of the Catholic Church uh, in the public square. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, whether we're talking, you know, local government, state government, uh, even federal government to some extent, uh, the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops 
takes the primary lead on on uh, mm -hmm. addressing federal issues, but oftentimes they uh, want the state Catholic conferences to engage directly with our elected uh, senators and our elected US representative uh, on those federal issues. And so even though I would say our primary focus is on state and, and, and local public policy, we do get involved um, to a significant degree on federal issues as well. Um, the I, I guess another way to describe the role, uh, and I'm borrowing uh, from Chris Motes here, he once uh, described the Catholic Conference as the eyes, the ears, and occasionally the voice of the state's Catholic bishops on public policy matters. Right. And, and that and that occasionally is is a really interesting word because we're we're pretty selective about right. what issues we choose to get involved in. There, there are, I would dare say that there are probably many issues where people think that the church should be involved in mm -hmm. it and taking a stand, uh, that we choose to say, you know, that that's not that's not the role. Um, the, and, and one of the tests we use for it is if there's an issue, say, in the legislature where um, where faithful Orthodox Catholics serving in the legislature could have a legitimate disagreement about a, a certain issue, then as a general rule, the church is not going to to touch that. We're, we're going to leave that to the prudential judgment of, of, of the people who were elected to do that job. Right. But obviously, there are some issues. Um, I mean, the, the most obvious one that comes to mind are issues related to abortion mm -hmm. and the sanctity of life, where you clearly church teaching is implicated in right. how we deal with those issues at a state. So, so as a state, so so when there's an obvious um, connection of a public policy issue to principles of Catholic social teaching, like protecting the common good, protecting the dignity of the human person, uh, the Catholic Conference does weigh in and. Uh, and we, we speak our voice on those issues. Right, right. Okay, good. Uh, thanks for giving us all. That was actually super helpful, even for me, and I've been around Christmas for a long time. <laughs> um, okay, so we have an election coming up, as I said. What should we know about this election? What What's important for Catholics to be aware of? Well, yeah, I guess the most important thing I want to say at the outset is that uh, everybody needs to vote. Mm -hmm. um, that's, uh, that's important. Uh, you know, there's actually a section in the uh, catechism of the Catholic church, uh, paragraph uh, 1915 that says, as far as possible, citizens should take an active part in public life. Mm -hmm. uh, and that obviously includes voting. Uh, so this year in the election, we've got important races for U.S. Senate, uh, governor, U.S. House of Representatives, and other statewide offices like Attorney General and Secretary of State. We have um, judicial elections mm -hmm. and retentions. Uh, and then, of course, we have some uh, ballot measures as well. And uh, and in the Catholic Conference is actually engaged on one of those issues that's on the November 8th ballot, and that is uh, initiated measure 27. Yeah. And Catholic bishops are urging uh, the faithful uh, and all South Dakotans to uh, cast a no vote on measure 27. Okay, so can you explain that one? I know that has to do with marijuana. Can you yeah. explain that to us uh, as much yeah. as you can, you know, in, yeah. What What is this measure? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll try, to, I'll try to do the condensed version. Right. So initiated measure 27 would legalize the possession, use, and distribution of marijuana 
for so-called recreational purposes. Okay. And, you know, I, I have to just interject here that I, I hate the use of that word recreational because, you know, when, when you think of recreation, I think of canoeing, hiking, <laughs> uh, you know, yep. fishing. I mean, there's, uh, and, and almost by definition, you know, when you define authentic recreation is something that's healthy for the right. human person right. and, and helps us thrive. It, it contributes to human flourishing. And so the idea uh, of calling, um, you know, the taking of a drug that incapacitates your, uh, your senses and damages your mental health and calling that recreation is, is uh, disturbing to me, yeah. but nevertheless, yeah. that's the word that's come into use and it's come into use in order to distinguish it from uh, this concept of medical marijuana, right. uh, where you 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 have some people who uh, you know are taking uh, marijuana because they believe it helps alleviate a certain um, you know certain health condition, but but recreational is just basically a a, a code word for uh, taking marijuana for any reason at all, you know, uh, or no reason at all, and so uh, so that's basically in a nutshell what this measure does. Okay. Um so a lot of people will be thinking right now, well, who cares if I smoke marijuana? It's not that big of a deal. So what do people get wrong about that? Because I think there's a lot of misconceptions at this point. Yeah. Yeah. People get a lot of things wrong about marijuana. And uh, I think the main thing is what you just alluded to, which is um, this widespread belief that marijuana is a harmless drug. <laughs> and it's just not. The evidence does not bear that out. And unfortunately, I think the, the, the way this has come about is that we, we have now in this country a legal marijuana industry because it's been mm -hmm. legalized now in 19 different states. That, that industry is expected, according to an article recently in Forbes magazine, they're expecting that industry to bring in $32 billion oh in revenue. And that revenue, some of that money is being used to pay for campaigns in states like South Dakota and others that have not uh, legalized marijuana uh, to basically convince people, oh, you know, marijuana is just like alcohol. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, you know, it's no big deal. It, you know, there, there's not any problems with it, but the reality is, is that marijuana harms the individuals who use it and it harms the broader society. Mm -hmm. And the way it harms people who use it is that, um, there's a lot of adverse mental health outcomes associated with marijuana. And these are not just speculation. These are uh, agencies like the National Institute on Drug Abuse, the Substance Abuse and uh, Mental Health Services Administration. Um, these are the people who are evaluating the research. And what they say is that marijuana has adverse mental effects, including impaired memory, hallucinations, delusions, in extreme cases, psychosis, mm -hmm. which obviously can be linked to episodes of uh, horrible violence. Mm -hmm. um, and then it also negatively affects brain development, especially among the young, if they're using it. Um, there's been a study that, uh, you know, especially among people who start using marijuana at a young age, that it results in a loss of IQ points. And those that loss is permanent. It doesn't get regained oh, wow. if you later on quit using the marijuana. Um, there have also been studies that associate marijuana use with worse educational outcomes, lower income, higher unemployment, greater welfare dependence. I mean, the list goes on and mm -hmm. on and on. And this just, uh, you know, I, on my own uh, podcast, uh, uh, the Faith and Politics Show, you know, I interviewed Emily Leadham uh, with the Lord Center on this subject. Mm -hmm. and, 
and she just, you know, analyzed it through the prism of what's going to contribute to human flourishing, right? You know, right. when we define all the ways of, of what, how you would define what it means to be flourishing as a human being, you know, having a rewarding career, having a loving family, et cetera, et cetera, does is having a higher proportion of South Dakota's population hooked on a harmful drug going to contribute to human flourishing? Right. It seems to me the obvious answer to that question is is no. I want to just throw in one other uh, thing on the marijuana because this was something that, uh, you know, if you'd asked me a year ago, is legalizing marijuana a good idea? I think I would have I would have said no. But it was only until I started researching the issue as part of my job with the Catholic Conference that I discovered something that is stunning to me, which is that the psychoactive ingredient in marijuana, which I won't give the full chemical name, but right. it's, it's long. difficult to pronounce, <laughs> but, but it, it's just referred to as a THC for short. And so this is the chemical that's basically giving people a high when mm -hmm. they use marijuana. According to the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, the THC content of marijuana that is being used today is more than three times the, the potency of the marijuana that was uh, being commonly used 25 years ago. Right. So this is the problem we have, is that people think about, when they think about marijuana, they think of, you know, the Woodstock, uh, <laughs> you know, festival, or or they think of a party they went to back in college in the 70s, the 80s, or 90s, where, you know, somebody passed around a joint, and maybe they took a puff and you know, nothing weird happened. And so therefore right. they think, oh, this is, this is no big deal. But the reality is, is that the marijuana of today has nothing in common with the drug that so many people might've dabbled with back in high school or college decades ago. So right. if we could just con communicate that one fact to the voting public that, as I like to say, this is not your grandfather's marijuana. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's a whole different ball game and it's, it's a very toxic drug. Yeah. And as Catholics, we should care about those things, all those things you just said, you know, uh, about human flourishing. And um, I mean, I don't want, I wouldn't want my, I don't have children, but if I had children, I wouldn't want my children to be losing IQ points and unemployed yeah. and so on because they smoked marijuana. Like that's so easy to yeah. just not do, you yeah. know? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And just, uh, you know, if, if I could just throw in one other point that's interesting is that the state of South Dakota publishes this annual report on drug use and according to their data, just over 13% of South Dakotans reported using marijuana in the last year. <clears throat> and that's that's actually lower than the national percentage, mm -hmm. which is a little over 18%. And so if you, you do the math on that, it basically means that just about 87% of the people in South Dakota have not used marijuana in the, in the past year. Right. Uh, and that's good news, obviously. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, we should be grateful for that. But the, the downside of that is that the majority of people who will actually be voting on Measure 27 um, don't have, I guess you could say, you know, firsthand experience about how this drug can ruin the lives and ruin the families of those who are addicted to it. You know, it's right. a, it's a very distant thing for them and they just take the view of, well, I'm not smoking dope or I tried it once in college and it just smelled nasty and then I had never had anything to do with it again. But what do I care if Joe down the street is right? Right. Why is that a, you know, why is that a big deal for my life? Well, unfortunately, you know, if you look at Colorado where uh, traffic fatalities due to people 
driving under the influence of drugs has doubled following mm -hmm. legalization, you can say, yeah, you do need to care about mm -hmm. whether Joe down the street is addicted to marijuana because he may kill your child in a in a traffic accident next week. So right. we we can't pretend like we just live these sort of atomized lives and that the decisions that the others make have no impact on our world. Absolutely. Um, okay, Michael, I'm going to shift gears just a little bit. We have about three minutes left. Um, I want to just, this is also going to be Respect Life Month for October. Um, so two things I kind of want to have you talk about uh, in the next three minutes. Uh, with the uh, change in Roe v. Wade, the overturning of that, how do we, how do we approach pro-life activities now? And then if you'll tell us a little bit about this petition that we may see going around. Yeah. Well, I, I guess I would just make two comments. I mean, the, the first thing is, is that, you know, we should be grateful that we actually live in a state now where uh, preborn children are protected mm -hmm. by law and elective abortions are not permitted in the state of South Dakota. This is the culmination of decades and decades of work by so many committed uh, people, elected mm -hmm. office holders, volunteers at the grassroots level, et cetera. Uh, so yes, first thing is be thankful. But then the second thing is we need to fight to keep it that way. Because right. as you mentioned, there is a effort underway, uh, uh, advocates for um, restoring uh, uh, the, the legal uh, killing of preborn children have submitted a proposed constitutional amendment. Um, and it has been um, you know, certified for uh, signature gathering. And I believe the earliest date that they can start collecting signatures on that is November 5th of this year. And then once that uh, clock starts running, they have a year to gather um, enough petition signatures. And if they succeed in meeting their goal, this measure will appear in the ballot in the 2024 election. And what it would do would be to write into our state's constitution a a very radical right to abortion that's even more expansive than Roe versus Wade. Right. The proponents are saying that they're kind of writing Roe versus Wade in the Constitution, but the sad reality is, is that what would actually result if this thing passed would be worse than Roe versus Wade. It would be it would be a regime of legal abortion that's you know on par with what you see in like California or New York now. Right. It, it's really bad, and there is a group that has been set up already uh, to try to oppose this. It's called the Life Defense Fund. And okay. So if people are interested in um, signing up, it's lifedefensefund.com. And you can go there and uh, get on their email list, make a contribution if your heart is moved to do that. But the, the battle is already underway um, to fight this measure. Right. And the way I understand it, um, the language on this petition is very confusing. So if you, I guess what I would say is if you are approached by someone to sign a petition regarding abortion i would make sure you understand it very well or don't sign it yeah yeah i would say don't yeah don't sign it yeah <laughs> yeah don't no, sign there is no other no, petition out there's, there there's no, <laughs> there's no competing pro-life petition so right. if somebody puts something in front of you and says this is a petition related to abortion you you don't want to be signing that right so. and, and tell your family and friends about it too so they're aware of it so yeah uh yeah great Thank you very much, Michael, for coming on and telling us uh, what you're doing and what to look for for voting this year. I really appreciate you being on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yep. All right. If you haven't found us already uh, online, you can find us at sfcatholic.org anytime. You can also find us at social media at, at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at SF Diocese. 
Uh, That is it for us today. Hope you'll join us again next week for more Catholic Views.